0: Thank you very much. Let's take the Word of God together this evening and turn to the New Testament book of Mark, if you would, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and um, I'm going to look at a particular portion of Scripture that the Lord has laid on my heart this evening. And there, as a church grows and as a ministry grows, there are many things to consider, many needs. And one of those particular needs is, is for those who would serve Uh, with those who are already serving in leadership. And uh, many many people have many different ideas about leadership in the Bible and leadership in the church. And the Lord Jesus gives us really a great place to begin. I want to talk tonight about the mark of a Christian leader. And uh, there are so many ideas, so many self-help books, so many ideas in the world. Today you can get about 40 different books on leadership. Everybody thinks they're the, the, the best voice on Christian leadership. The best voice on Christian leadership is Jesus Christ. And that's where we want to begin. If we're going to ever have the kind of leadership we need in our church, it'll be because we look to Jesus Christ. No other model. And uh, some people say, well, I like this model, and I like this example. Look at this church. or Look at that. Let's look at Jesus and his word. And God willing, we'll begin looking at the word of God and seeing what his word teaches us about leadership amongst the people of God. And we looked briefly at that, really, a couple of weeks ago at the ordination service for our brother Tristan and um, some of those things, but we find a little bit more here. Mark chapter 10, and beginning in verse number 35. I think this is an appropriate passage for anyone who desires to serve, uh, to be involved in leadership. And uh, I don't think it's a wrong thing. The Bible tells us, Paul told Timothy, He that desireth the office of a bishop desireth a good thing, So it's not wrong to desire to lead. God places that in someone's heart. But uh, there are some things we need to learn about it. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. That sounds like many Christians today. That's the way we pray, isn't it? Lord, we want you to do for us whatever we want. And uh, he said to them, Jesus is so gracious, what would ye that I should do for you? Can you imagine what a gracious Lord and Savior. Here comes James and John, I've got, we've got something we want you to do for us, Jesus. How can I help you? They said unto him, grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory but Jesus said unto them ye know not what ye ask can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with and they said unto him we can and Jesus said unto them ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized but to sit on my right hand And on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him, and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, we open thy word tonight and pray for thy help pray that thy spirit may lead us and guide us. We pray that the very presence of our Savior may be known in this place, that we will be led by the Holy Spirit, that thy name would be exalted and glorified, and that this meeting would be pleasing in thy sight. Speak to our hearts now, for we ask it in Jesus Christ's name, amen. I think sometimes we read things in scripture and we're a little bit hard on people. Sometimes we're hard on Peter and and our natural tendency is to be like the rest of the disciples who are hard on James and John. The rest of the disciples, the other ten, when they heard what James and John had asked, the Bible says they began to be much pleased with him. Who do they think they are asking Jesus to sit on his right hand and on his left hand? But the truth is, that kind of desire is in most of us. We desire, I think, in some ways, James and John, let's cut them some slack. In some ways, maybe they just wanted to be near to Jesus. Maybe they just wanted to be close to him, especially in his glory. Now, in their mind, their idea of Jesus coming in his glory was the idea of him establishing an earthly kingdom and rule and reign. They wanted to be right there next to him, to maybe to rule and reign with him, maybe to see all that he was going to do. But One thing was certain, they wanted to be as close to him as they could. Now that's not a bad thing, is it? So sometimes we're easy, we pick up stones and throw at people, and and it's not altogether bad or wrong. But it's very interesting what Jesus says, Ye know not what ye ask. You don't really know what you're asking. There are a lot of people, I think, who desire a position or an opportunity that they don't really know what they're asking for. Maybe it be within a church, or maybe it be a, a, a position in the church, maybe an opportunity. Sometimes people say, oh, I'd like to stand up there and talk. I, I've got something to say. And people sometimes, oh, I'd like to teach Sunday school or I'd like to do this. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. And he asks two questions as if to say, are you ready for it? Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Yes, you may want to be near to me on my right hand and on my left hand, Jesus says, in my glory. When I'm ruling and reigning, when everybody bows the knee and when everybody listens, but there's other, other things to ruling and reigning. There's other things to my glory than just being on the throne. There's a cup to drink. There's a baptism to be baptized with, and it's not a baptism down in the river. It's a baptism of grief and suffering. It's a cup of anguish and wrath. There's so much more that most of us don't really understand. I don't believe any Bible college or training institution in the world can prepare you. For Christian ministry, it can to a degree, but it can't give you everything. They said unto him, we can, we can take that cup, we can be baptized. They didn't really know what they were talking about. And then Jesus gives really a prophetic statement. You will indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with all. You're going to be immersed in it all. But to sit on my right hand, verse 40 is a very interesting verse before we get into the, the meat at the heart of it all, to sit on my right hand and on my left hand. This, this request to sit next to Christ in some sort of position is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. It's a very humbling thought when we begin to look at Scripture and realize that God has prepared something for each one of us. It's very humbling. Each one of us, God has prepared something for. He's prepared for you a place, we read in uh, the book of John. I go to prepare a place for you in heaven. That's encouraging. But he's also prepared a place for you in his service, in his kingdom. I don't know what your place is, but he has a place for you. And until you find that place, you are never really quite settled. Until you find what it is that God has prepared for you, you really struggle trying to find your place, trying to find where you belong and where you fit. But He does have a place for you. And with that place comes a gifting. He gifts you for what He's called you to do. Scriptures tell us that very plainly and very clearly in the the letters to the Corinthian church. There's a gifting for each one of us. And each gift is different. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are diversities of gifts, verse number 4, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all and all. Then it goes on to give a list of these things. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. However God wants, He gives. He does give to everyone. The Bible says, To all these worketh that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For the body, as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, It had been made, all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but meant many. And if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, well then where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, then where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Would you look here for a moment? God's put you in this body because it's pleased him. And he's put you in your place as a place prepared for you in a way that would please him the most. But sometimes we're more interested in what would please us. That we miss the calling that God has for us. The scriptures go on. If they were all one member, then where were the body? If we were all hands, then where's the body? But now are they many members, but yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. I love this. Every once in a while, we look around and say, Maybe you look at yourself and say, I I can't preach, I can't sing, I can't play the piano, I can't teach Sunday school, I, I, I can't do anything. But the Bible says much more the members which seem to be more feeble are necessary. You are needed. Now that's not just some flowery talk that Christians give to make people feel good. That's Bible. That's God's word. You are needed. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism, no division, in the body, But that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. I think we've had a privilege of being a part of something like that recently. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. The last few verses deal especially, look at this. God and God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, government, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And the more excellent way that he shows is chapter 13, which is love. The most excellent way of all is love. And we begin to realize when thinking about leadership in a church that leadership has less to do with a title and a position of authority, less to do with that and more to do with who the person is, more to do with love and how that person can better serve the body. So Jesus says again, it's given to those for whom it is prepared. And then we get into it. Let's open it up. Verse 42, if you would, of Mark chapter 10. Jesus, what he does is he compares the way that the world looks at leadership and the way that God looks at it. He compares really very briefly the way that the world looks at leadership and the way that God does. Ye know, in verse 42, that they which are Accounted to rule over Gentiles, lost people, exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them, but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Let's talk about these two different ways of leading in the world today. The first, they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles. The second, whosoever will be great among you. Look at the difference. Rule over you or be great amongst you. There's a difference. The leadership of the world is a ruling over where the leadership in the church is a serving amongst. It's different. The leadership of the world is three things we're told in this one verse. They rule over, that word rule literally to be first, to reign over, to be the top dog. I can remember when my father first came out of prison when I was a teenager and he started going to a local church He started bringing the family uh, to that church. There was a minister there with a lovely, lovely heart. I can still remember. Uh, I can remember that one of the first nights my father came out of prison and came home uh, that minister came with his wife to visit our family and he came with a, uh, a loaf of home baked, homemade bread and a jar of homemade jam and a, a lovely gesture wanted to be there and he had been visiting my father in prison and, and speaking to my father about salvation and, and the minister really had a tender heart and I never forgot it, I still don't forget it to this day he, he and his wife left that church a few years later and, and another man took the past, pastorship of the church and he was a CEO of a local business. The trouble was he began to run the church that way. But a church is not an organization. And sometimes we think, we look at people and think that would be a good leader because we think they've got the character traits, they could run a business and they got no, no, no. God didn't look like that. Just because you can rule over a company and just because you're successful over a business doesn't mean you can lead a flock. They rule over, reign over as a king on a throne. Not only that, but the Bible says they that rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. There it is again, over, over, over. Exercise lordship means you subjugate, you you exercise dominion, you exercise it. Well, if you exercise, what does that mean? You use it, you use your authority, you use your power put people beneath you. You have dominion and power, and sometimes that's what we think that Christian ministry is about, but it's not. There ought to be a measure of authority when a man preaches the word of God simply because it's the word of God, not because he's the boss. Does that make sense? Don't confuse the two. Amen. There should be a measure of authority. We don't need any more mealy-mouthed preachers and uh, little soft-footed fellas. We, we need men who can preach with authority, who say, this is God's word. We're not budging on it, not compromising on it. But that's only because it's God's word. They can speak with authority because it's God's word, not because they're exercising lordship over top of someone. The third thing that Jesus says about the leadership of the world. They rule over, they exercise lordship over, and they exercise authority upon. I mean, they have full privilege over people. Jesus spoke about hirelings and false prophets. Ezekiel and the Old Testament prophets warned against false pastors and shepherds. Tommy was speaking about this the other day. He's been reading in the Old Testament prophets about, about these False shepherds, pastors—that that's what a, sh- a pastor is—a shepherd who have fleeced the flock, who've robbed from the flock. They've taken full privilege over them. We see a lot of that today, don't we? Send your money in here and do this, and and uh, that is the way the world views leadership. Well, I'm the boss. I have I can do that because I'm the boss. I'm going to take full privilege because I have the authority and I have the opportunity but Jesus says in the same conversation but so shall it not be among you that should never ever be the way we lead if you have a Sunday school class it shouldn't be the way you lead it if you have a ministry the homeless outreach that you're leading in it shouldn't be the way you lead it if you have a Bible study that you're leading it shouldn't be the way that it's leaded if you're a Christian man These principles still apply in your own home. They apply in your home. They apply in your place of employment. You ought to be differently minded about life. So shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great. Now listen to the words that Jesus used because this is really what James and John are thinking. This is what the disciples are thinking. We want to be great. And by the way, it's not wrong to desire to be great as long as you desire it for the glory of God. Jeremiah the prophet said, Seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. Not for yourself anyways. Seek great things for God. Is it wrong to seek great things? Is it wrong to wish that all of Oxford were turned upside down with the gospel? Of course not. That's a great thing, isn't it? And we ought to desire it. We ought to wish it and seek it. Nothing wrong with that. Jesus says, Whosoever will be great among you. He says in verse 44, Whosoever will be the chiefest. Among you. Great. Chiefest. Those are words that we should want and desire to attain to. But whosoever. The Bible says in verse 43. Will be great among you. Shall be your servant. Leadership in the church. Amongst God's people. Is amongst the people. Whosoever will be great among you. Not over you among you. Christian leadership is not about lording over. It's not about having a position and a title to flaunt over people. Or a badge to wear. I'm a greeter. Instead, it's about being amongst people. Even look at the life of Jesus Christ. He was God in flesh. He is God. Did He lord it over everybody when He came? He was born in a stable. Could have been born in the Taj Mahal or the the greatest palace in the world, but he was born amongst animals and poor people making their journey. He was raised, he was born in a little no-name town and raised in a no-name town that was despised and looked down upon by all his people. That's the way he was. He chose intentionally to be born that way to be raised that way, to live that way. The Son of Man hath nowhere to put his head at night. And the man said to him, I'll go with you, Jesus, anywhere you want, where, anywhere you go, I'll go with you. And Jesus said, That's fine. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but I've got nowhere to live. He lived amongst the people and he ministered amongst them. Whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Now let's talk about that word. That word minister literally is diakonos. It's the same word that we eventually get the word deacon from later on in the New Testament. Now just because every time you find the word diaconos in the New Testament doesn't mean they had the position or title of deacon. So don't get too excited. It simply means a servant. That's what it means. Whosoever of you will be Great among you shall be your minister. And that word literally means to run errands, to wait on tables, to be an attendant. Now Jesus is talking about those who are the greatest. Here's what we do: we say, Well, you know, deacons, they're not quite as important. Well, that's the same word here. And Jesus says, The great ones amongst you are servants. They don't care to be lifted up high and pampered. They wish to run errands for you. They wish to attend to your needs. They wish to wait on you. Those are the great ones amongst you. Those are the great ones. Not only that, they shall be ministers among you. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest. that word chiefest means foremost, number one. You don't need me to explain that. You know what a chief is. Sometimes we say there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. A chief is number one, foremost. Whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Well, the opposite is true in the eyes of the world. The world measures greatness by how many people serve you. Well, that Boy, he's really successful. He's got 100 employees. He gives commands out to 100 people. Look how important he is. And sometimes we view ministry like that. Oh, he's very important. No, no, no. The chiefest amongst us, the chiefest amongst the people of God will be the one who serves the most. Not who has the most servants. Not who has the most to listen to his beck and call or her beck and call but the one who serves or touches or reaches or affects the most that is chiefest. So the real question tonight in Christian ministry and service and leadership not just leadership but in Christian life how many lives are you touching? Are you serving? Sometimes I think some people think it's their job to see how many people they can offend the most. They're proud about that, you know, they tell it like it is. Well, I think there's a place for that. This is about serving. Whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. And that word servant is the Greek word doulos, which means literally slave. No other, you can dress it up nicely if you want to, but that's what it means. Slave of everyone. Not just the people you like. It's easy to serve people we like, isn't it? I like Johnny Rooney. I wouldn't mind helping him out if he needed anything at any time. I'd be more than happy to to drive a million miles to help him. I love him. But there may be somebody that aggravates me a little bit that I'm not so eager to help. And Jesus says, servant of all. Not just the ones you like. Not just the people you get on with. Not just the people you love. But a servant of all. That'll be the greatest And if you and I are ever going to make a difference in eternity, ever going to make a difference in this world, it'll be because we have served more people than ever imaginable. The measure of greatness is not about how many people serve you, but how many people you serve. Who are you reaching? Now, the thing I love about this the most is that Jesus gives us an example. So he, he, he compares the two, the, the idea of leadership in the world and the idea of leadership in his eyes. And then he gives us an example, just in case we got it wrong. And he says in verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Even the Son of Man. Now even, even the, the, the title he chooses for himself. Shows his humility. Even the title he gives for himself. He could have said. Even the Messiah. Came not to be ministered to. Or even the Savior of the world. He could have used that. Because that was used in another place. Even the Son of God. Or how about even God. because He is God. But instead even the Son of Man. Some people believe that was his favorite title for himself. Son of man. Even the son of man came not to be ministered to. Jesus did not leave heaven to come here to be served. He came here on a mission. He served. He is served, being served day and night in heaven. He was being served for all eternity past by the angels and created beings in heaven. He was being served. He did not need to leave heaven to come here to be served. He left heaven to come here to serve you. And you and I didn't even love him. That's our example. This is our example of what Christian leadership ought to be, what Christian life ought ought to be serving people even those who don't even love us. And two examples, two further clarifications for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life. Two qualifying marks of a leader amongst the people of God. He came to minister, that's to serve with a purpose and intention to serve. I was talking to a brother recently. He's a a young man. In Christian ministry he's now pastoring a church uh, in the United States of America but he was serving in a in an assistant pastor position for a while and the minister of the church said to him now look you need to spend at least 35 hours a week in the office I don't care what you do I don't care if you play, play Tetris on your phone all day I don't really care But you have to spend at least 35 hours a week in the office because that's what the people are kind of expecting. And when he told me that, I wanted to go get on a plane, fly over and meet that minister and give him a good what for. You can imagine. That was his idea of what ministry was. But Jesus said, the son of man came with a purpose. That's to serve. His purpose was not to sit behind a desk and push a pencil. His purpose was to serve. Serve. Now, the greatest need that people have is for their souls to be fed, to be dealt with, to be ministered to, to be served. That's the greatest work that any believer can be involved in. But it's not just that. We see that with the life of Christ, but that's first and foremost. He came to serve. The intention and the purpose of, of a minister or a child of God, ought to be intentionally to serve. Not to be served. Not to get anything. Not to get something in return. Serve. And the other part of it, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life. He didn't come to take, He came to give. He didn't come so He could be hailed the great, Uh, mighty king of kings and lord of lords, he will be one day, and he knows that. But his first coming was not for that purpose. His first coming was to give. Give. And there shall be a reward. No doubt about it, there shall be a, a reward for those who serve and minister and labor and give their lives for the Lord and to his people. There will be reward in heaven, but that's not why we do it. We come with a purpose to serve and to give he came to give his life a ransom for many. I love this very, very vivid and explicit, that, that very clear, the way that's described a ransom, meaning you were being held hostage, and he gave his life as the ransom to release you. He gave his life to set you free. And this is exactly the pattern that Jesus Christ sets forth at the very beginning, at the very early establishing you can think of the local church. The local church, we believe, was empowered in the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon them. But the Lord Jesus was preparing, already paving the way. He speaks about, remember Matthew, he speaks about the, uh, if there's a problem amongst the church. And he, he's preparing the disciples for this idea of the assembly of the body, preparing them all along the way. And no doubt about it, this was intentionally given to prepare those apostles, those disciples. And for many, many centuries to come, the people of God, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I don't know about you, but sometimes, if I'm not careful, the old flesh and the old man wants to get something out of it all. Well, I don't deserve to be talked to like that. We think we're a little bit more special than we are. Well, hold on just a moment now. What, what shall I get? Remember what Peter said to Jesus? What shall we have therefore? Peter said, Lord, we've left everything. We've, and they did literally left their homes and their jobs. And they, they left everything. And they said to Jesus, what shall we have therefore? Because we've left everything. We gave our lives. We left everything. What shall we have? That's the natural temptation, isn't it? But there is a promise. In fact, Jesus gives that very special promise. In fact, the previous previous few verses same chapter verse 29 verily I say unto you there is no man that, hath, that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels but he shall receive a hundredfold now and this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life there's a promise that if you Give your life, come to minister, to serve, and to give your life is a promise of a hundredfold. You can never outgive God, you can never give too much. But I'm telling you, we are living in a society, in an era, a day and age where people are more concerned about getting than they are about giving. They're more concerned about what they can get out of people than they are about what they can give. And you'll never be of any use to God until you get to the place when you realize it's not about me getting, it's about me giving. Giving my life, giving my time, giving my heart, giving it all. That's what Christian ministry is about. The word minister means servant. And may God strike me dead the day I stop serving may He not allow a single man to lead in any capacity of this church or ministry who doesn't realize the call to serve. Serve and give His life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ laid down His life to purchase our salvation. We've been called to lay down our life in honor and service to Him. May the Lord help us. We'll talk more, in the, God willing, in the weeks to come about these things, but we'll begin there. There's the mark of a Christian leader. Is he a servant? Is he a servant? Let's pray. Father, we realize we are so far below where we should be. And we ask of thee as Christians, as thy children, help us to be more like our Savior. Emptied of self. Help us, Father. May our lives be lives that influence, touch, serve, and affect so many for thy glory. Use us, Lord. we, We do not pretend to be anything special. We thank thee, Lord, that thou hast gifted us according to what pleases thee the most. And we pray that we may use those gifts to serve, to reach and touch and affect people's lives. We ask you to guide us and use us, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name.